This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures. Uh, Half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy. <laughs> This episode of Half Measures is brought to you by Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Hi, I'm John Champion, co-host of Mission Log. While Daniel and Paul are doing a bang-up job covering the wide world of pop culture, we're talking Star Trek, one episode at a time, over at Mission Log, looking for morals, meanings, and messages. In fact, there are a whole lot of other shows at podcast.roddenberry.com for you to choose from science, feminism, even daily news, and all stops in between. Boldly go and find us. When you're done here, of course. Again, that address is podcast.roddenberry.com, and we will be delighted to have you trek us out. Welcome into another episode of Half Measures Podcast, where each week we ask, what have you been watching? It's a lovely evening here on the coast, and through the wonder of technology, I can see that it is a sunny morning over in South Montana, where I'm joined live by my co-host, Dan Whiting, from his beautiful ranch in Yellowstone. Kira, Dan, I hope I haven't caught you in the middle of a, you know, like a, some cattle work or something. Look... Work never ends on the ranch, Paul, but I just want you to know that you'll never take this land from me. It's been in my family for several generations, and I'll die here before you take it. I made a promise. I ain't giving that up for no one. No man should own that much land. It ain't right. It's my land, Paul. I feel like we could actually riff off of that for the entire podcast and get nowhere, and people might wonder what they've tuned into. (laughs) Yeah, which, again, it feels so wrong to, like, particularly as a New Zealand podcast talking about like land mm-hmm. ownership it, feel, mm-hmm. it feels horrible mm. but um to watch as a, a drama tv show it's a great time it is indeed it is indeed and no surprises what I'm going to be talking about today so maybe we should just jump straight across to South Montana and join you Dan and ask you what have you been watching Yeehaw. All right. So um I've actually been giving the new stars platform on I guess is it platform, the stars component of Disney Plus, a bit of a will. And there's so many great old school movies on there that we've actually just been watching a few new movies. And, well, not new movies, but old movies, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. So the first one that we've watched is from the year 2000, Coyote Ugly. I don't know if you remember this movie at all or it's one that you've seen before. I've not seen it. I know the one you mean, though. And I'll, I'll tell you the, the first thing. So these are like this is obviously a, a classic um, two thousand movie, late late nineties. It's got all those sort of like cheesy vibes. It's basically um, about this girl who wants to be a songwriter moves moves to New York, gets a job in a a bar where they become coyotes and they they perform and and, and sing in the bar. It's like it, it's a real um, feel good. Gets super low ratings. Great soundtrack. Um, it, it, it's a good time. It's got a it's got a, a great little cast on it as well. Um, it's got John Goodman. It's got Maria Bello. 
Um, it's even got Tyra Banks in it. It's uh, it's so good. It's 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 a real. If you're looking for a classic throwback movie um, on stars, I I highly recommend it. it. It's just a hell of a good time. It's you know not a complex story. It's the soundtrack will have you have you buzzing for days. Nice. I don't know how I never managed to get around to seeing this one. I remember the poster and I, I knew instantly when you said what it was. But uh, yeah, and it's got an interesting cast, as you say. Um, oh, I, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow, there's heaps of oldies in there. What year is Oh, okay, 2000. So this, is going, this is going back a wee while, isn't it? Okay, all right. So this is on Disney Plus Star, okay? Yeah, so this was just sort of, again, just just – you know, seeing some of these old, I guess, um, covers or whatever you whatever you call them, it, this is one that we just thought, we've got to watch this, it's been a long time. And I'll tell you, the first thing that I've really noticed is, you know, for an old movie, if you were to, to watch this on, on DVD or something, often the quality might be, or Blu-ray, the quality might not feel that great, yeah. but watching some of these movies on Star has actually been really good. I feel like, I don't know whether they've been... Um, upscale to a higher quality or not, but they didn't have that kind of dated feel that some older movies have. Um, and so that was a good experience. And this one has Leanne Rimes in it, starring as Leanne Rimes, which is, so does she play herself in this movie for like a a whole lot or did she just come in and sing a song or what? No, so, so she's only briefly in, in the film and she actually had a, a bit of a, a hit that came out from that movie and she sort of makes a... Uh, an appearance at the end of the movie and yeah a, a pretty sort of minor role but her her music is kind of used used throughout it so nice recommended another movie that we watched also on star um, one that we've actually talked about quite recently uh, on the pod is enemy of the state so i know it's one of one of your favorites paul uh starring gene hackman and will smith john voight um Again, so this movie came out in 1998. The quality of this, absolutely incredible. So obviously, you know, like we, we're talking about technology, which is a little bit dated, but it's still such a relevant movie for today's day and age. And obviously technology is so much better and there's, there's whole different ways to um, track and kind of spy on people. But this was a fantastic rewatch. And especially after talking about it, what probably – half a dozen episodes ago, mm. really good to go back and actually see that it still kind of stands the test of time. And I actually also, I really enjoy Will Smith from the sort of uh, 90s, 2000 era. Like he's just such a fun time. He's, he's got lots of goofs and gags and it's a good movie. Another one I highly recommend checking out. It's really good to hear it holds up because like I would hate to go back and watch that and find that it doesn't. So that's really great to hear it does and I could, easily see myself going back again the gene hackman vibe just the way he lives his life in that you know sort of off the grid completely you know proofs his whole house to the point where if he leaves he can self-destruct it and i just i know what you mean about the technology has obviously moved on in terms of tracking but did, did that affect in any way the ability to sort of enjoy the story like you know when you watch something from like the 60s and it's like okay that technology's it's just it's obsolete did it was it like that or was it still is it still okay? 
Um, I, th- I think going into a movie like this, you just kind of have to push push that aside. There wasn't any any moment where I was like, oh, God, that's ridiculous. We're so beyond that now. Because I think if you kind of look at the overall sort of plot and premise of why they're tracking these people and, and, and how that's happening, it still kind of plays out. And, you know, they could probably remake this movie with a, a more modern take, but why would you? This is a, an absolute classic. Beautiful. So it's not it's not what I was trying to get to there. It's not like in the Fast and the Furious with the DVD players where it seems, you know, crazy. It's kind of, you know, it's okay. It's not it's not dated like the Fast and the Furious is what you're saying. That's good. It's good. That's a great segue, Paul, because um oh, no. I have also watched another movie that is just like Fast and the Furious. And I I was trying to remember, I may have talked about this in a really early on sort of first episode of of Half Measures. It's a movie called Talk. Now, I actually watched this on iTunes, and you know how I talk about Fast and the Furious 1 being the greatest action movie of mm, that time? Mm. This is number two. Oh. So, <laughs> so basically, if you imagine the Fast and the Furious you know, uni- universe, this could easily be set within it, if it isn't already, and it's basically the same concept, but instead of cars, we're talking about motorbikes. Now, this movie scores horrendously on IMDb, on Rotten Tomatoes, anywhere you're going to look. But you know what? This is one of the greatest popcorn movies of all time. And as a, a motorcycle rider myself, it's just it's it's so outrageous this movie. You can't help but have a good time. People are having fights on motorbikes, people are like, you know, driving their motorbikes on top of trains, through trains, they're using their the back wheels of their motorbikes to kind of like fight with each other. It's, it's absolutely incredible. There's some Fast and the Furious jokes in there. In fact, the um, one of oh God, what's his name? Is it Vince uh, from Fast and the Furious, who's kind of you know um, Vin Diesel's kind of offsider in the early movie. He actually plays the main oh, villain yeah. in yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, I know. And, you know, there's one moment actually in this movie where uh, the main star, Martin Henderson, who's actually from New Zealand, actually actually says, I live my life a quarter mile at a time. And it's so good. And they wreck him in the, in the movie for, you know, being cheesy and cliche. But this movie is so Fast and the Furious. If you've never seen this movie and you're a Fast and the Furious fan, I, I can't recommend it enough. It is so over the top. It's so dated. It's so ridiculous. It is so much fun. I absolutely love it. I wish we had more talk in our lives. Quality <laughs> movie. I wish we had more talk in our lives. Okay. Okay. Oh, 4.1 out of 10. I see what you mean. There's some there's some real bad ratings going on here. Uh, oh, Ice Cube. He's always good value, right? Def- okay. Definitely. definitely. This poster. Looking at this poster, it's just so far at your alley, Dan. It's not even funny. It's the The bikes look great. It's it's definitely for you. I'm not sure if it's for me. We'll keep it on the back burner. I don't know if it's for you either, especially after that scathing comment you just made about the greatest action movie of, of all time. But look, I had a lot of fun uh, watching this one. It's actually quite a hard movie to find. I found this on iTunes, and it's not always on iTunes, so I took the opportunity to secure it while I could um, and had a great time watching it. Apart from movies, um, I'm continuing on with Billions. We're still in season two, uh, probably about halfway through season two. Still absolutely in love with this TV show. Um, so 
I, you know, last time we, I, I think I might have mentioned, is is it going to have enough of sort of like a different different plot points to sort of take it in different directions? And it look, it definitely is. It's got us hooked. It's become our every night. We can't wait to watch an episode of Billions. Um, I'll maybe talk more about it next week when I've, I've finished season two to let you know how how that all stacks up. But again, it's it's so great to have a TV show on the go that's got you know five seasons out. Are you Team X or Team Rhodes? Have you made that call yet? I'm Team X, and there's no doubt in my mind. Okay. You know, Team X, old um, old Bobby X Axelrod, he would be all about talk. He'd be all about Fast and the Furious. He he has all those vehicles. He's he's a he's a he's a great guy. If if Bobby Axelrod was played by Paul Giamatti and Chuck Rose was played by Damian Lewis, would you would you still be Team X? No, I don't think so. So it's your team. Your team. Your team, Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm Dean Lewis. I'm Dean, and I think that stems back to the the Band of Brothers days. Um, I'm I'm just so connected to him. Yeah. Also, in, in Homeland as well. Yeah, no, I get it. Um, Definitely. Yeah. And then the other thing that I've watched, obviously, is uh, episode eight of WandaVision. So this is our, our penultimate episode. Uh, another great review. Got a, a 9.2 out of 10 on, on IMDb. A bit of a different episode from maybe what I was expecting. This episode was was called Previously On, and it kind of gave a lot of a lot of backstory, uh, a lot of context about what's been happening. Didn't include um, Vision or uh, some of our other characters um, that we're we're used to seeing, but I think it's kind of set us up nicely for the final episode this week. So yeah, again, I can't sort of talk about the show highly enough i think it's going to be a really fun watch to actually sit down and watch all nine episodes in a, a bit of a shorter time frame i think they've done something really really different and, and really wonderful with the show and i think what episode eight i guess made me think about in a different way is we're so used to with our, our superhero movies and, and tv shows you know big action and big kind of fight scenes and i think what wandavision is actually kind of really about is it's about grief and it's about loss and it's about what are actually these, you know, they're superheroes, but they're also kind of everyday people. How do they go on with their life after sort of major events have happened? So, look, it's a it's a good show. Um, I'm, I'm really hoping that uh, once you sort of get deeper into the Marvel Universe, Paul, this is one that you'll sort of pick up and, and put on your radar. It's definitely there. I received that list from you, as I said. We haven't started on it yet because we've been deep into Yellowstone, as I'm sure you've already guessed, but it is definitely going to be one I'm going to dive into. What I found interesting is, as someone who's not watching it, but of course is obviously actively on social media, I just, I'm just i just seeing memes and I'm just seeing um, different people just putting things out there, spoiler-free for the most part, and everyone just seems to be vibing it the same way you are. There's these, you know when people post things that sort of say, um, post three images that randomly describe the last episode of WandaVision. And it's just like the things that are going up there um, are just fantastic. I see it's got another high rating, 9.3. It's the highest one ever for this season since the 9.2 for that episode um, on a very special episode. So um, yeah, the hype seems to be real. It is indeed. And that, Paul, is apart from the the things that we've co-watched, is what I've been up to this week. How about yourself? Well, we watched two episodes a night of Yellowstone Season 2, and guess what? In five days, that is enough to watch all ten episodes. 
of this entire second season. So I know last week you said to me, I'll take your time, enjoy it. Well, two episodes a night was really, really doable. Plus, of course, we had the movie of the week. Plus, of course, we had The Walking Dead. So this is what I've been watching this week. Season two of Yellowstone. And spoiler alert again to anyone, if you haven't seen it and you're planning on it, use the use the timings in the show notes to jump ahead to the the next section on The Walking Dead. But um, where do I start, Dan? This, this, this second season for me is an incredible jump from the first season in terms of story depth, story quality. The actors and actresses have become really more familiar with their characters, so it's a richer experience. Firstly, though, you are correct. John's truck really does have way too many wheels. I don't know what's going on with that thing. It's got wheels coming out the side that are a different angle. I guess there's a reason for that. I feel like I want to drive it. Um, But right from the start, there's just shocks. So last season... The businessman, Dan, he's obviously survived his his hanging threat at the end of that season. We thought he was gone burgers, so that was a shock. And I found as the seasons have gone on, I've really empathised with this character. And that's a really great hallmark of a great show when someone who's quite clearly in the first season, almost the villain of the piece or the bad guy or the one you want to see fail, the one who's trying to hurt these characters that you're, you're becoming invested in. And then as the season progresses, you know, you 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 just really sort of empathise with them, and you know, along with Thomas Rainwater as well. Like, despite their hatred of John Dutton, both these guys though seem like nothing compared to these two new fellas on the scene, the Beck brothers. And honestly, this show does not hold back. So we've got these two really evil cowboy brothers who've got some bad henchmen. They're brutal, and then there's this attack on John's daughter uh, Beth, and it is. It is brutal. And even though throughout this this sort of incident where she's getting beaten by this guy, she seems at face value at least to maintain a psychological advantage over her, over her attacker throughout, um, which is just a sort of testament to the strength of character, I guess. And then we have Rip speeding through at 100 miles an hour to help her out. It's full of tension. There's so many episodes I could talk about, but it's just a show that just keeps getting better and better. And, you know... We're going to dive into season three after we finish this podcast, just like last week. And I imagine we'll do the same thing, but we're really, really enjoying it. It's just, I I cannot, I just didn't see this show coming. I'm so glad you recommended it. It's fantastic. I think, um, did you really notice the the change in pace from season one to season two? Obviously with season one, I feel like there, there's just kind of disaster and catastrophic accident and drama 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 all the way along and I think what you just said really summed it up nicely I think season two still keeps that but I think it really focuses on going deeper on some of the characters and you really get to um, understand them better and get a whole bunch of you get a bit of empathy for them and I think I, I really like what you've just said around turning around your view on some of these characters and they grow on you in different ways and I don't know whether I said this to you offline or on the pod, but you know, Beth becomes one of my favorite characters. And I think in the in season one and even parts of season two, she's really painful, you know. But again, like you kind of see those character arcs really grow and change and, and they they mean something different to you. Yeah. Oh look, you're right. I and mean, Beth continued to be unbearable for at least the first half of the season. Like she's off the scale, really laying into to, to her brother Jamie with such rage and ferocity of words. I don't think I've seen such bullying by one adult to another in any other show. It's it's crazy. And I always think about 
you know, sometimes we forget, or I don't know if you do, I do. Sometimes I forget this is a work of fiction and I wonder, the actress must obviously receive that script and look at the things that she has to say. And uh, I mean, I don't know, I'm not an an actor, obviously, but it just, it must at some point be like, really? I'm going to say this? Like um, when Monica's at the clothes shop and it looks like she's in trouble because the racist shop owner wrongly and unjustly suspects her of, of shoplifting. And so they call the cops and Monica... She calls Beth. And then just the anticipation. This is what makes the show so good. I'm not even watching what's happening at this point. I'm just anticipating Beth showing up at the shop. We've got to wait for her to drive to the shop. The anticipation of waiting for her to show up was just incredible. Just waiting, thinking if this is what she can do to her own brother, what is she going to do to this racist shopkeeper who's judged Monica simply because you know she's she's Native American? And honestly, that scene was quite extraordinary, what she did. And the language. I certainly don't condone it, Dan, obviously, but my goodness, it was juicy. It was beautiful. It was wonderful. Just <laughs> the way she really dressed it down. Goodness me. There, there's some real um, moments where you cheer out loud for these characters. Eh? Like Even, I think, you know, in that, in that terrible scene uh, near the end of the season where um, Beth is attacked in her office, Beth still holds her own to the, to, the, to the bitter end of that scene. And, you know, Rip... The way he enters the scene, like like a wrecking ball, and it's like, like you literally, I feel like I'm cheering on Rip for what a badass he is. Yeah. Oh, look, oh, Rip is the star of the season for me. Uh, the way he just, you know, Kevin Costner's character, John Dutton, describes it best when he sort of sees him with the, the young boy Tate, and he says, oh, who knew he's just a big teddy bear? The way he can go from what you just described to to what he's like with with the young boy in many respects he seems like a very natural father figure um the way he let casey win that fight so that he could be the head wrangler you know he'll literally do anything to serve john dudden and put himself second um jimmy you know another great character which would in many respects you'd think shows wouldn't explore that kind of character would be like a real b story but when you see jimmy you just it just makes you want to start crying there's that scene you know his granddad gets beat up and then he's so he's trying to find a way to to get the money, and he finally finds his skill in what do you call it? Ro- rodeoing, you know, when you ride the bucking, mm. whatever. And and then the old boy cowboy with the handlebars, you know, he fronts him up a few hundred dollars, and Jimmy goes along to the contest and he wins. And you know, and then his granddad unfortunately still dies from the injuries. And then when Jimmy finds it and goes crazy, and then all the guys rush in. You know, these guys are, are ribbing him and teasing him and, and really laying in hard, you know, but they, they, they stick to their own and they, they look after their own. And honestly, anyone listening who doesn't watch Yellowstone, just skip down ahead because I ain't finished. I've got more things I need to talk about with this show. It's um it's incredible, right? It's so good, I think. There's a, such a, a sense of community and family in that show. And I think for, you know, the, the Dutton family is largely a bunch of individuals who kind of come together for the sake of the ranch, um, but but they're individuals. But when you're actually a, a, a cowboy, particularly if you've got the brand, I just love how, like, if something goes down, they can give you grief day and night for doing something stupid but when when you need them they're there for you right and if if you need to go sort something out you get the boys together and that's how it's done and i think what's different about it from like you know i think about a show like like sons of anarchy or something like that's done with a gang patch this is done under the under the banner of um of dutton yellowstone ranch you know it's it's 
it's yeah. wild and the brand is hidden you know you wouldn't know that some people wear the brand and some don't so uh uh what was the other the other oh that's right the um the casey the story of casey and monica i find if i had to point at anything i find that one hard to watch at times just in terms of the complexity of it in terms of you know they don't they don't really seem to be aligned but the, their kid tate he's pretty cool and he always makes me laugh um yeah, it's a very complex relationship. But then I think everyone in the dozen household seems to be because you know, have you seen a single meal take place at that dining room table where uh, the meal actually occurs peacefully, or everyone actually remains at the table from start to finish? It just never happens. Oh no, I think that that poor chef who has to make that make that big breakfast spread every morning, and I think you know someone comes in and has a, a cup of orange juice or exactly. has a fight in the middle. You know, it's it's. Yeah, I think there's one, um, the one plot hole, speaking of Casey, which has always bothered me, and I wonder whether, Paul, maybe I missed something. But, you know, it might have been in season one when Casey is talking to like his old army buddies, and he's like, he's he's basically going to go go and rejoin. And then, obviously, he, he doesn't do that. But I feel like that loophole's never closed. Mm. I always was waiting for the um, his army mates to turn up and be like, all right, we're you know, wheels up at 5am or something. And yeah. it, I kind of, it, it was weird. I felt like they kept that scene in, but never closed that loop on why he didn't join. Yeah. yeah. I, I know I didn't join. You're right. There's, there's, there's a couple of things like that, actually. You're right. And one of them occurred in the last episode. And so whether or not this spills into season three, I don't know. So I'll, I'll trust you not to react. But uh, like they put that bomb in the plane. And of course, we never go back to the plane. We never see the plane again. So um, what's up with that? There's, so uh, there are a couple of things. I can't think of another one, but I know I've thought about, oh, we, we never went back to that. Like the whole university thing, you know, Monica's lecturing. I don't really see, we haven't gone back to that as much as I thought we would. What was the point in that? But yeah. The, the bomb in the plane is a really good example because I think it, it, I kind of thought it was going to backfire on them and obviously like Tate might have been caught up and been on the yeah, plane yeah, or that's right. all sorts of drama like that, but it, it's never quite played out. And I don't know whether I just have, have been missing kind of the, the, the close off to that, but I, I, I haven't seen anything. The other thing I think about with this show is I always, I feel like I have to pinch myself in a, is this actually happening type way, that Kevin Costner is in the show because he's so freaking cool. And I feel like this this role is made for him. Yeah. Everything he's ever done has been about bringing him to Yellowstone. And it's kind of surreal that we have got, you know, like a a, a top tier actor on, on Yellowstone on, on, a, on, a, on a TV show. It is. And I know what you mean. It's like no matter what I see Patrick Stewart in, anything, he'll always be Picard. And now, no matter what I see Kevin Costner in, he's John Dudden. So I can go back and watch JFK. I can go back and watch Untouchables, Robin Hood. It doesn't matter. He's John Dudden. That's that's where that's what's happened to to his character. He's become so synonymous with it in such a short space of time. And appreciating, I've obviously binged, you know, twenty episodes in a couple of weeks. But um, no, you're absolutely right. And you know, I'm talking about all these characters. I haven't really talked about John and John. John just doesn't even need his own story. He's, there's so much else going on around him that it's just how he holds that all together. And speaking of other characters, I I still think Jamie is the character that interests me the most. His because his position seems to be harder than anyone. And now he's you know he's cleaning out the manure and getting the hay at the back of the truck and <laughs> just hearing myself say that uh, anyone who's not watching Yellowstone is 
thinking what what is going on with this show if they're talking about hay bales and, and horse training and, and whatever they might think we've gone crazy but no it's his character and the, the position he's in and what it must feel like to be him above all other characters fascinates me so i'm really keen to see what happens to him in season three after the whole attorney general thing obviously didn't work out I think, you know, there's there's so many great character moments too, and I think there's often a lot of the really great moments are between Rip and uh, John Dutton. Mm. And mm. I think one of the interesting things is often, I, I guess this is a bit of a, a, a cowboy thing, but very few words are spoken, but instructions are given with the least amount of direction. And, and I always think to myself, if, if I was a cowboy, um, you know, dream job, um, I would have so many questions. Like if someone was just like, oh, yeah, take 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 the cattle up to uh, Section 54 and uh, make sure you clean up that mess you're not to do with these uh, big brothers, I'd be like, I'd have 500 different questions that relate to all of those different things about what it means. And I think when, you, when, you're, on, when you're on the ranch, you just take that and you interpret it and you do something with it. And it's, it's the cowboy way. Yeah, it's... It, it really is like that. And the other thing is these guys haven't got too much time for questions either. It's like if you ask one too many questions, you're liable to get, you know, put on the, put on your backside. Um, the last the last couple of things I was going to talk about was, you know, I talked about the businessman Dan and how it was like great that he got to survive and then you sort of empathize with him and you build a bit of, you know, relationship feeling with him. And then, you know, he gets, he gets killed by the the Beck brothers henchmen and it's just it's just a, a real real shame because these Beck brothers well let's let's skip to the end the tension of that final episode where the Beck brothers have taken the young boy of all the characters you don't want them to take of course they take the young boy and then wow the whole rescue attempt in that final episode really plays out really really well there are some no nonsense hits uh, and just yeah the fact that I think the fact that John Dudden was there for one of the brothers and Casey was there for the other, I really like that. It was a poetic ending to the season. And I'm really, I'm really curious as to where this, this third season goes, because it doesn't really end in a cliffhanger as such. So it's kind of interesting to see what, what direction we, we might go in there. I can't wait to talk to you about season three. It sounds like I could potentially be doing that next week by the, the way you guys are, are chewing through this. Yeah, just a couple of episodes tonight, and I'm I'm trying to. There's still more. I could like the the whole story of Walker and what's you know his deal. You know that that was a really interesting arc as well. Just the fact that it's gone so deep into all these characters, and yet it still manages to progress the story each week. All those slow paced moments in the bunkhouse. I love all the little one liners between each other when they're just like having a laugh with each other. It's it's just it's just an absolute gem of a show. It really is. But uh, I'll stop. I, I actually. I can't wait to, to watch it again. So Samara didn't watch it with me and um, it, it sort of seen my excitement and, and hype for this show. And so at some point, probably in the next few months, we'll, we'll put it on again. And even though I've seen it, I, I can't wait because it, it's so good. I feel like it's it gives me the the rewatch uh, joys that a rewatch of Breaking Bad or yeah. Beautiful Soul might give me. So the, the lesson here for us all, if there is a lesson here, is don't, don't judge a, a a TV show by the first episode because when we watched that first episode, we were like, oh, it's a bit slow. And if it was only on the strength of what you had said that we persevered through. But if if I thought I'd given up and now I'm looking back because you know I've watched a few shows and I'm like, oh, I don't know, 
it's not really grabbed me. I'll leave it. And I'm wondering how, what other gems are out there that I've missed out on because sometimes you just need to give a, I don't know, I've said this with Star Trek, sometimes you need to give it three seasons before it gets going. It's not three seasons. You just need to give it one or two episodes. Indeed. And, and you know, even in that first episode, I had my phone out at one point because it was so long. I was like, how long is this episode going for? And it's That's like, right. what is it, an hour and a half or something? And I think, whereas now I think oh, – I, I just can't rave about it enough. And I, I'm so excited whenever I talk about Yellowstone to somebody and I hear them say, oh, yeah, I've heard good things about that because mm. it's it's great when a, a show like this is getting the, the fandom and the love that it deserves. And I think, cause I think what you've got to remember with a show like Yellowstone is this isn't coming from HBO or, or somewhere like that. This is, this is a show on, on Param- by Paramount. Mm. And the things that the show is dealing with are not in the usual – um, Paramount wheelhouse, I guess, mm. you know, like they're dealing with, uh, you know, pretty extreme, um, violence and racism and, um, political issues. There's swearing. There's, you know, there's a, there's a bit of blood. There's, and these are, these are things that we often associate with HBO. And here we've got a, a more mainstream network, um, back in a show like this. And I think that's pretty cool. And I think obviously now they, they know they've got something good. So, so they're, they're pushing it hard as well. Exactly right. And like you, I can't wait for season four and I can't wait for the prequel. It's uh, They can keep showing more and more at me. They really can. So, uh, so yeah, we'll see how we go next week with season three. But in the meantime, Dan, one of the other things on our television screens that has returned, one of our all-time favorite shows, a show that we've watched since the very first season, some 10 seasons ago, is back. It's The Walking Dead. It's like everyone's been to Urban Outfitter and they've got their the updated post-apocalyptic clothes. Um, and, you know, I don't know where to start. <laughs> I don't know where to start. I, I know that I'm the, I'm the negative guy on uh, Walking Dead on the show. But I feel like I've, I've got questions and statements and I don't know whether you should say the good stuff first, then I should get involved or how do you want to do this? I feel like. You are John Dutton, and I feel like Sons of Anarchy is like, you know, is maybe Casey, and I feel like maybe Wayne on, on Amazon Prime is Beth, and I feel like The Walking Dead is Jamie. <laughs> I feel like you're never going to look at it the same. There's always something about it that doesn't get treated the same, and no one knows why. So I'll start us off. Um, I think, firstly, it is great to have it back. The first two things I noticed, I don't know about you, because you just mentioned about the clothes, um, but the music certainly seemed really on point. I thought the guy, Dave Porter, I thought he really seemed to put in a top effort. I felt like it wasn't like a generic soundtrack to an episode. I thought that was really good. But the the second thing, probably the main thing, is the visual quality had improved somehow. I don't know how, or if it's my imagination, it looks cleaner or something. And I wonder if that had anything to do with your comment around the, the clothes. I don't know. Something has, has changed. One thing that hasn't changed is the way we watch it here in New Zealand on TV and Z on demand with adverts. I'd forgotten how painful that was. I do not need to be in the, in the middle of a tense sort of scene to suddenly then being shown that the, uh, the apples and oranges are on special at my local supermarket. It just really takes me at the moment. Um, overall, I thought this was a solid start. I thought this was a good episode. Don't make that face at me. I thought, I thought, if they're bringing Maggie back in, then one of the first things they need to cover off and cover off quickly is a little bit of backstory about 
where she's uh, where she's been. And once again, anyone who hasn't watched The Walking Dead, use the show notes again to fast forward to uh, movie of the week. I, I couldn't work out why Maggie was talking about her dad, you know, and referring to him as Herschel. And I was like, why is she calling him Herschel? And then suddenly it becomes obvious she's talking about her son and, you know, he's he's called Herschel. It's been so long. I just simply forgotten. And I think maybe I should have watched a, a, a better recap because I only watched like a five minute one. But to be fair, this season, season 10 started back in 2019. And here we are, you know, March 21 and season 10 still has more to go. So it's only natural we're going to forget some things. But um. Yeah, I, I enjoyed this this sort of back and forward story that, between um, Maggie and, and Daryl. I thought how they used those um, while well, they were sleeping in those those containers. I thought that was a really um, sort of clever clever way to a sleep safely, but also for them to tell the backstory over the last few years in just a few minutes, and also. You know, we got we got to see the world through her eyes as she's come back, sort of seeing the state the hilltops in after the whisperers have done what they've done. We got to appreciate that. Um, I feel like I like the way they didn't mess about with the whole because Maggie and Negan was going to be the big thing. You know, they didn't mess about. They bumped into each other inside the first three minutes, and then we had the real moody walk away, and then cut to the opening credits. I thought that was quite neat. And also a little bit of trivia for you before I hand over the talking sticks to you, Dan. Did you spot little? Herschel Jr., his cap. I'm pretty sure that that cap is Glenn's cap, and I don't know. It looks a bit big for him. I don't know if I'm sentimental. I don't, know, I don't know where it's been stored all this time to be in such good condition, but it looks like the same cap as what Glenn used to have. I'm sure they sell those caps at um, Urban Outfitters where the rest of the crew have obviously raided for all of their, their new um, clothes to fight in the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, they're using some good washing powder in, the, in, their, in their pockets to keep them so clean, right? And well fitted, you know. Everyone's got clothes that fit them perfectly now. I think the the only thing that was off about it was Negan was wearing two different gloves, and I feel like that was their one compromise. Like, oh, we better give them two different ones just to make sure it's not all too polished. Anyway, Paul, where do I begin? Okay, so first of all, great to have Walking Dead back. My favourite thing for any new listeners is to moan about Walking Dead because I feel like I've become the old timer who remembers how good it was and I feel like every episode I watch I get further and further down the sort of like, oh, the show is so frustrating but I can't help but watch it every week. So apologies for that. I think, you know, these six episodes that we're getting is sort of the, the second part of season 10. Like they're a little bit different. I think they're they're filmed uh, in a in a COVID world. They've had to sort of take some different considerations. They've had to do things a little bit differently, um, and so in in a way, we probably should be grateful for these backstories. But there's a few things that I just kind of found annoying. So one, like I really like Maggie as a as a character generally I kind of find it annoying the way that she came back like obviously she left the show this is outside of the Walking Dead universe went to make another TV show which didn't actually work or didn't land and now you're back on the Walking Dead and now you're kicking up like you know I know these are unrelated things but now you're kicking up a fuss about like like you left everyone in the Walking Dead universe your character did and you've now got a problem with um negan and i know that negan killed your husband Mm -hmm. but at the same time like you you were a real boss when you were running hilltop but you went off did your own thing decisions have been made and you know what it's like in a zombie apocalypse like we don't need your grief and your your big girl energy you know really racking up everyone i thought that um 
Carol, one of my favorite characters. Why are you being annoying as well? And like, oh, I, I thought I had to tell her that information. Daryl offering to sort out the problem. The guy that says like three words per episode is going to help sort of like smooth the waters. I felt like I didn't, because I've got no no backstory or context, I didn't care about any of um, Maggie's friends from her new camp. In fact, when they all started dying, I was like, oh, God. And then let's just talk about this guy with the mask. Why the like? Okay, are you a WWF wrestler? WWE like like you are meeting new people. You better have a scarred, cut up face or some reason to wear that mask. Some big, amazing reveal. But if I met you out in the wilds, we're fighting zombies, and you refuse to take off your mask, I'm sorry, we're not going to hang. And like, what's the deal? It just seems so ridiculous that he's kind of walking around like the strong, silent type. Okay, two things. One, it's great. It's great to have The Walking Dead back. It's great to have Dan and watching The Walking Dead back. That's always an absolute highlight. I feel like though, I would actually prefer if you were a character in The Walking Dead, so I could watch you sitting there when Maggie turns up, and you'd be like, "Oh, look who's back! Like we didn't need you before, and now <laughs> I'd, I'd love to watch that." Um, the guy with the mask. Yeah, he's walking around with that heavy metal mask and his hood up the whole time. I feel like it must be sweaty as hell inside that thing. Everyone else is walking around in like a t-shirt and their jackets are off because they've been walking for hours in humid conditions. But this guy, he's got the full metal mask and his hood. That is incredible. I I have to admit, look, you're right. I was a little surprised when we got to see underneath the... Well, firstly, that we got to see under the mask so early. I thought they'd really hold that out. And I thought it would be like, um, what was his name? Uh, Beta, you know, with the wearing the, the skin. I thought it was interesting, though, glass half full, that uh, this badass ninja guy who basically saved the priest's life in the in in the previous sort of couple of episodes, you know, is actually a very scared, timid guy who simply has some good moves. And not seeing his face, you would never know that. So the the reveal was actually good to do it in the first episode because it's. It is so disappointing that if we'd left it any later, it would have been even worse because it would have just got built up. The mystery would have become more like by six episodes of that, with just that mask. Basically, once that mask comes off, unless it's Kevin Costner, I don't know what's going to impress me at this point. So, um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think it would have been more badass to be taking the like either unless you've got amazing character reveal, it would have been more badass just to be taking the mask on and off as you're fighting walkers, right? Because you're like, all right, better suit up, put the mask on, go. You know, you're stabbing walkers, and it just, it just kind of it felt like a distraction. And I, I get that, you know, there's probably some metaphor in there about his that person's wearing the mask because, you know, it's, it's kind of protecting them from, you know, they've got all this emotion and baggage and blah 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 but I I just didn't I, I don't think it really fitted enough with the episode for me I didn't like how we we're talking about the these reapers as the bad guys like as a watcher I feel like we've had so many bad guys just telling me that they're called reapers means literally nothing to me and you've got this guy running around in his full army apparel like 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 we're deep into the apocalypse at this time you know I want under that mask I need it to be um Dwayne um what's his name son uh, Morgan's son or I need it to be someone from world beyond or something that's kind of like starts to connect all this together and I think I feel pretty frustrated because I know that we've only got um these six sort of bonus episodes and each bonus episode focused on something different so we're not even going to really get any more of this probably like maggie's story necessarily we might get little bits of it and i just kind of felt like 
I, I kind of felt fatigued of the drama, like you're back, Maggie, cool for you. You've you've um you've got your son, not sure why you are just letting him um just off with these bunch of randoms which clearly can't even protect themselves. And I just don't feel like I've got the um the what what is it, the the stamina or the like for the the Daryl, Carol, um, Maggie power triangle and it's just like look it's actually more fun when we see um when we see people like judith and you know herschel and like that, 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 you know that was cool but i i kind of found it overall a bit of a an okay episode and more frustrating than enjoyable i feel like if this was maybe half a season in i might be feeling less lenient but i feel like as a welcome back episode, I, I didn't have too many complaints. I thought some of the production values were pretty high. I was just looking up while you were talking, and actually they've switched from film to digital, so it wasn't my eyes. It, they, this is the first episode, so that was the thing. Um, okay, how do I break down what you've just said? Firstly, I'd like to welcome onto the call, and I haven't told you this was happening, Dan. This is a surprise just for you. I've got Robert Kirkman. He's joining us live, and he's here to take some of your questions, Robert. Um, I'd love to be able to do that. Well, well Robert... After season seven, what happened? You know, should we have just ended it there? I've I've got my partner sitting here saying we should watch Walking Dead from the beginning, and part of me is like, oh, that would actually be great to watch those early episodes. But then knowing I've got to relive the last sort of, you know, four or five seasons of, you know, average quality content is, would be just so frustrating. It would kill you, right? No, I am. Um... Look, I hear everything you're saying. I feel like I'm excited that we've got five more episodes to go because that means there's, there's five more weeks of the, the Dan Whiting show. I feel like we could do a spin-off podcast. I really do. I feel like it's already waiting to happen. It's, it writes itself. Um, it's it's interesting because, you know, a few months ago, we obviously were reviewing World Beyond and we had issues with that and there were things about that we liked. But when I think about Fear the Walking Dead, if I was if I was to think that out there on the TV for me right now is a brand new episode of Fear the Walking Dead or a brand new episode of The Walking Dead, the fact that I'd be going straight to Fear, first of all, does tell me that what we've talked about before and what you sort of explained there is that this show is on the decline. Um, it's still got time to bring it back. This episode scores 7.9 out of 10, which is maybe it's early days because not so many votes in there yet. Um, it is actually the lowest for the season bar the first two so um so yeah it's uh i guess we'll have to see how we go right i think it's tough and i I know that like part of this rant is is kind of just just for like laughs as well but (laughs) i just do feel like it's such a the concept of the show is so good and i know that we've we've had greatness i actually really enjoy the way they kind of moved around the the writing team and i think there's some good stuff there i just I feel like I just want a more centralized focus story and it's great that we're like bringing back these characters but you know we're bringing Michonne back next like like let's just kind of like choose a path like and I feel like there's still the messy Rick stuff I'm, I'm ranting again I need to stop I look forward to next week's episode indeed yeah, Rick Grimes makes a dramatic return to save the show um who knows what's going to happen next okay um so that is what we've been watching this week. However, the other thing we've watched this week is a movie of the week. And so let's jump into that. And if you haven't listened before, welcome. Uh, movie of the week is our feature where each week Dan and I take it in turns to choose a, a movie at random. And then we watch it and review it a week later. If you'd like to watch along, uh, 
head along to our Discord community. You can find the link in the show notes and we post in there a week in advance so that you can watch the movie as well. And what do we watch this week, Dan? This week we watched a movie, a 2019 movie called Parasite, which you might have heard us talk about before on the pod. A brief synopsis about this movie. So this is about greed and class discrimination threaten the newly formed symbiotic relationship between the wealthy Park family and the destitute Kim clan. So this is a Korean film. Uh, basically tells the the story of these two different families at very ends, different ends of the, I guess the the wealth spectrum, and how their lives start to interact. And it, there's a lot of kind of quite deep things in this movie. A lot of uh, deep messages. Uh, it's I don't know about you, Paul. Did you watch it with the the subtitles or? I 100% watched it with the subtitles on. Yeah, so this this is one I think you need to watch with subtitles. This this is the second time I've seen this movie, and this is one of the greatest movies I've seen. Like it, it's really up there for me. It, it, it's a top tier movie for me. I just I love the I love the cast. I love the way they tell the story. The story. I love the the way that there's a real tonal shift in this in this film. I think you know the first half of it's kind of you're getting to know everyone. It's like a little bit comedic in a way. The second half gets quite dark as things start to get a um, a, a little bit complicated for all the different characters in here. But it's just it's it's a really great watch and it's one of those movies that you, that you go away wanting to talk about and thinking about for a long time. What did you think of this one, Paul? This this was was so good, as you say, and I'll be talking spoilers again. So again, jump ahead using the show notes. I what you touched on there and the first half sort of being comedic. I, I was just looking on IMDb; they've listed it as a comedy, drama, thriller, and those three things. You know, they aren't something you often see together. And I, t- I talked about this a couple of weeks ago about the movie Downhill. You know, the Will Ferrell, Julie Lewis Dreyfus movie, and s- how sometimes I feel like. Those things don't go to well always, but Parasite is a really good example of of how it can work. And it it's yes, it is a thriller as well. That it's really tense in that final sort of sort of half of the, or at least the final third of the movie. And and what's better is that it managed to do that without it feeling in any way inconsistent or out of place. And I really love that. Some of this movie, as you say, is just hilarious. Sometimes the suspense was off the scale and, and other bits are just really, really sad and really upsetting. So I, f- I feel like it's got so much to offer and it's it's always at the right pace with some really great performances. Um, this is one the Academy Awards got so right. So when you say it's one of the best of all time, you know, Oscar for best directing, Oscar for best screenplay and Oscar for best motion picture. It's true. All of it. Yeah, this this is so much, so much goodness about this film, and I I almost I almost don't know how to talk about it mm. without actually just sort of talking about what what happens in this film. And if this is one you haven't seen but you're still kind of listening because you you want to know a bit of detail about it, basically the the Kim family infiltrate this um, wealthy family in a in a really interesting way, like. Um, initially, uh, the the son comes on board to help teach the the youngest 
um, child English. He finds sort of, you know, through a series of conversations, a way to bring his sister in. Then they bring the dad and then they bring the mum in. And then all of a sudden this um, this whole, the whole Kim clan who, who they sort of show has been at the at the really bottom of the food chain. Like they live in mm-hmm. a house which is kind of at street level. Um, they don't have much. They've got no money. They're they're struggling to um, to live basically, and they get it. They get a taste for what it's like to live at, at a whole different end of the spectrum. And the there's moments in this film where you generally, I think, feel your 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 heart rate mm. rising because it's it's so stressful about are they going to get found out? Are they going to get caught? And I think as the movie gets deeper into you know that that moment where they decide to have basically a fun time in the house while the family goes camping, and then they find out they're coming back, and just the the oh, it's it it's so good. It's, that's when it really ramps up when they they get caught out. They they've, they've just been a, you know they've been playing it well. They've been playing it really clever, and you appreciate how well they've wormed their way in. Hence, you know the name Parasite, and then they just push their luck too far, and suddenly they've got to tidy everything up really, really quickly, or they're in trouble. And then the tension of them just lying under the sofa beds or the in the in the lounge, you know, just are they going to get seen? And because as soon as they're seen, the whole thing's off, and so that's the tension and. I just love all the people in the Kim family. They are just so awesome. And it is so sad that, you know, they obviously, they didn't all make it. If there is a sequel coming, as I think you've mentioned, or my dreaming, um, I can't wait for it. Uh, there, yeah, there's, there's a potential um, two, two other scripts in the works. Um, right. And at least one of them could, could follow this whether it's a direct sequel or just another story in this vein, we're not too sure yet. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just a clever plot. It's so simple. So intricately written the, um, even, you know, the characters, like you say, they're sort of, you know, they're living in that slum life in, in a basement with all kinds of horrific conditions, but there's something relatable about them. There's something human uh, that is just really, you can just bond with and you can just empathize with and, um, the performances just, you know, as I always talk about, they just make you care about them. And I don't know, you know, as I said, I had the subtitles on for anyone who speaks Korean, but on the basis of the lines I was reading, the writing is superb. Um, I don't know if the if the delivery of the lines resonated that well. It felt like these guys were all brilliant actors. I feel like I want to see them all again, but preferably together playing these characters, please. Um, it was, I'm annoyed that I haven't watched it until now. It's amazing. Yeah, I think it's a it's one where I um, kind of intentionally stayed away from the trailer, and looking at the the movie card or the or the poster, it actually really looks like a, a scary horror film, and it's it's actually it's quite far from that. And I think that's what throws you when you start watching it. D- Diana was had no idea; she just knew the name Parasite and wanted to see it because of all the the, the hype, the, the awards, and so went into it thinking it might have been some you know an actual parasite, an actual disease site situation. So was completely blown away and she absolutely loved it as well. So um, this one gets all the guns akimbo for me, Dan, like you, it's a, it's, it's top tier, as you say. Yeah. And I think what, you know, what's, what's really interesting is I think that the, even the term parasite, you know, you can actually look at it from so many different angles. And I think this mm-hmm. would be one of those, those films that you would, I, I imagine gets dissected heavily if you're in film school or you actually run a, 
a highly functioning podcast. Um, but you know, it's you know, is it about is it about the Kim family? Is it about the the family that lives in the house or the other family inside the house? Who who is the the parasite on on society or what does it look like? But look, I, I'm with you. It gets all the guns. I can't speak more highly about this movie if you haven't seen it you definitely need to check it out you can find it on neon here in new zealand um but if, if you're somewhere else in the world make sure you you give it a watch yeah definitely i also feel like you've raised up our podcast app just a little bit there by just taking the the social questions there just a little bit deeper i feel like that's a, you've nudged us up a little bit nicely done but still just at a surface enough level so that, yeah, you know. there you go. Yeah. We're, we're still a half mission, though. We can't go too deep. We're as deep as a puddle. I appreciate, I appreciate that. Cool. So um, if you want to find out what our movie of the week is next week, then maybe you should join our Discord channel. So that's where we announce that each week. You can find the details to that in the show notes below. Dan, what have you got for us this week over at the news desk? All right, so there's, at first I thought, is it a quiet news week? But you know what? I've been to all my sources. They came flooding in. When I put out the request, tell me what you've got. I've got a lot. All right, so first of all, there is talk of a new Superman movie coming from J.J. Abrams. So we don't know. I can see you're shaking your head, Paul. I can see the, you know, the, the frustrations. So this is a, a Superman movie reboot, um, obviously been led by J.J. Abrams at the moment um, and producing a script by the author of Black Panther Comics, which is, is pretty awesome. I think what's interesting about that is I think this could be a chance to, if we're not going to have Henry Cavill's Superman, then, you know, I've seen some stuff online of uh, – uh, potentially a, a, a black superman which i think would be would be awesome a whole different way to like tell the story a whole different sort of um issues to deal with i'm also a little bit sort of unsure about this because we've just had so many superman reboots i feel like this seems to be the character that you know since christopher reeves we haven't really landed on our you know the the societies this, this is our superman i feel like we can get that with the various batmans we've had but always with superman it's always like mm, close but not quite right what do you think i don't know what you're on about we, we found our superman he's over there it's henry cavill he's the superman let's let me put my reaction because i know you saw it into context I'm very excited about the idea of jj abrams doing a superman movie i think that's a great idea i'd love to see that but not now let's let's put that Let's, let's just pack that for the for the future and let's do that when it's when we haven't got a current superman it's the same as this uh this brent spiner conversation we had last week uh, a next generation reboot it's a great idea but there's there's currently star trek picard airing so we've we've got Zack snyder's justice league coming out there's still movies within that universe moving i don't like the idea and you know that I'm I, I'm I'm very aware that I'm quite a hypocrite because they're rebooting Batman whilst we've got another Batman out, but I'm letting that slide because I'm so excited because it's Michael Keaton. So I realise I'm a hypocritical piece of shit here right now. But I just feel like this is a great idea, but can we just shelve it for now? That's that's my whole reaction at this point. I actually think that Henry Cavell's actually hung up the cape, um, so to speak. Oh. And I don't think I don't think he's actually interested in doing it. And I think I wonder whether a lot of that is because of the way that 
I feel like it's been quite a messy landscape for the DC movies. Right. It will be interesting to see what the the Snyder Cut does and whether that kind of re-sparks a, a new interest for some of those actors. Okay. I guess, yeah, if that's the case, then then so be it. But again, just can we at least let these this next movie or two that have been made play out um, and then reboot? I don't know why I'm asking you. To, I'll pass it on to JJ. <laughs> Thank you. Stand by. Uh, what else? Um, so we've been talking a lot about the Dungeons and Dragons movie um, throughout our, our news bag over the God, the last several uh, podcast episodes. And there's another bit of uh, casting news. It looks like Hugh Grant has been cast as a villain in the Dungeons and Dragons movie. So by the looks of things, we're getting a pretty star-studded cast behind this uh, Dungeons and Dragons concept. So I'm expecting great things. I, you know, with all of this, these different casting announcements, we're probably not too far away from hearing a little bit more about the, the story and, and, and maybe where that's heading. Can we please put a request in that Hugh Grant bring some of his character from the gentleman into this role, the villain? You know, just that sort of, not the traditional Hugh Grant, just a little bit of that that cheeky Cockney gangster. That'd be great. That would be perfect. Uh, we've also got a little bit of uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, news. So we've got uh, Indira Varma, who played Alera Sand from Game of Thrones, has joined the cast of the Obi-Wan series. So we still don't know much about what her role is going to be in that uh, series, but she is a, a great actress. And any early predictions from you, Paul, about who this, who she might play? No, it's an interesting one, eh? and uh, I guess... Well, no, firstly, to answer your question, no, I, I really can't think, because all we know so far is Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan and Hayden Christensen as as Anakin and Vader. Um, it seems unlikely that it would... Oh. No, I'm going too deep into some of the novels now. There's no way they go that deep into the novels, but some of the people that Obi-Wan meets on Tatooine, it's, it could be something like that. I'm, I'm more interested in the actress... Just from a quality point of view, obviously you've watched Game of Thrones. Is it, are we looking at someone who's sort of like uh, a decent quality, good actress, good good quality? You you may also remember her from Luther as well. She played Luther's wife, I believe. Oh, I do recognise. Yes, oh yes, and I've also okay. I know exactly who she is. I saw her in another another series as well from the UK. Okay, no, she's good. Okay, that's 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 actually really good. Should I paranoid, just message paranoid? Me? That was the series I saw her in. Yeah, I'll let you know that she's got your approval to progress with us. That's all good with it, you. It's good. It's it's great. I'm just I'm always about who are these people coming in who I don't know. Like I just want to make sure they're they're the right grade for Star Wars. You know, you've got to be got to be real good. All right. Uh, another bit of news. So uh, the Ray Donovan TV show, which I believe you can also watch on Neon. So that actually ended quite abruptly at the end of season seven, I believe. But it uh, looks like they are going to do a, a movie to wrap it up, which is really good. It's a. I've always really enjoyed Ray Donovan, uh, but I didn't quite make it through to the end for whatever reason. And when I found out it ended abruptly, I kind of never went back to the show because I didn't want to end with that sort of lack of conclusion. But now that they're working on a movie, um, that has definitely re-sparked my interest in picking up that show as well. Mm. Yeah, I never watched Ray Donovan, but I know a lot of people who did and really rated it. So uh, interesting. 
the third Spider-Man movie um, has officially been given a title and it is called No Way Home. And what is interesting about this, so Tom Holland who plays Spider-Man, um, this is actually the last movie that he's contracted to, to play Spider-Man in. And, you know, we're talking about, you know, Superman and, you know, what what actor should play that play that character. Tom Holland is my Spider-Man now and I... I I know that Tom Holland has sort of signaled that he's really keen to continue on with the role of Spider-Man, um, and I, I would love to see more of him um, in that suit. Nice. And what else? One um, final bit of news before we move on to some Golden Globe information. So there's been a, a bit of new information come out from, um, I guess, the, the streaming services and uh, movie theatres. So Apparently, the, the normal stand-down time for um, when a movie comes out in the theatres, there normally is a 90-day stand-down time before it can go onto a streaming platform, and it looks like that's about to be reduced to 45 days, which I think is, uh, is, is interesting, and I think, you know, particularly during the you know, the, the pandemic, well, it's, we've got exciting news around the world that theatres are starting to open up um, safely, but now that also these things will be on streaming platforms even sooner, I think is... Uh, a win for everyone. I think it gives you the, the choice of platforms. And 45 days is what, it's a month and a half. That's not not too long to wait for some of these big movies. I think that's great because, yeah, the waiting is what kills me. The waiting and then not just the waiting, but in this day and age, the having to avoid spoilers is, is, is really, really hard. And, uh, you know, Wonder Woman 1984 is the classic example at the moment. You know, I'm having to stay away from all those things and uh, still waiting. So 45 days, that seems a little bit more doable, doesn't it? I like that. Mm, definitely. And obviously we've just had the, the Golden Globes for 2021. Um, there's a whole bunch of, obviously, winners that have come out of that. I'm not going to go through uh, all of them, all of the information's available online, but I thought I might give a, a shout-out to a, a few of the TV shows and movies that we've we've talked about on the, the podcast over the last year. Um, so Chadwick Boseman, who um, unfortunately passed away last year, he actually uh, won an award for Best Performance by an Actor in a Motion Picture Drama, which I think is is awesome i understand his his partner collected that award on his behalf mm. so that's pretty cool um borat subsequent movie film actually won the best motion picture musical or comedy so that was a, a movie that we reviewed here on the podcast uh what else have we got here um or same movie so sasha baron cohen who, who plays borat um he won the best performance by an actor in a um musical or comedy uh, a movie called an animated movie called Soul won the best motion picture animated. That that movie's actually available on on Disney Plus, and I've heard really good things about that. Mm. So might have to check that one out at some stage soon. Um, Jodie Foster picked up an award for the. Uh, what did she pick up that for? I just lost that in my. Anyway, Jodie Foster. She's. She, I feel like I haven't heard of, heard, heard her kicking around for ages. That's so right. so that, that's that's it. That's a really great time. Uh, it looks like we've got some best screenplay awards for the trial of the Chicago Seven. Um, this is fascinating podcast um, silence for everyone. The Crown picked up a whole bunch of awards for best drama TV series, which is pretty awesome. And see how I'm jumping in to help you out when you you know when you're not sure which things because I haven't got a clue either. I'm frenetically looking. <laughs> There's a reason we're called half uh, done. 
That, that's right. Um, uh, not to mention, so the Crown obviously won some awards and then some of the cast have also got awards. So uh, Emma Corrin got an award, Josh O'Connor got an award, um, Schitt's Creek also uh, won an award for um, Best Television Series, Musical or Comedy, which I think is pretty cool. I know that you're a big fan. Uh, uh, Catherine O'Hara actually won a, another award for Schitt's Creek. Ted Lasso won an award, and another it's another show that's got a great review here on the podcast. And uh, the final one I, I wanted to mention was The Queen's Gambit actually won uh, an award, which I know, Paul, you loved as much as I did. Mm. And interestingly, uh, in a, a post-interview about this, there was a talk about will we get a season two, and obviously Queen's Gambit was a, a limited series, never really designed for a season two, and interesting sort of chatter around they never expected this to be as big or as successful as it is so you know the idea that people are asking them for a season two has probably got some people thinking about whether they could do that I'm kind of a I'm kind of a little bit mixed about Mm -hmm. it I I think some series should be limited and I like that that was a a perfect uh, box story for me and I would worry that like what would a season what would a season two give us or a, a second sort of extension to that but nevertheless some great awards and great winners here yeah definitely a few things in there that we've we've watched a few things that are on our radar and for the record i agree with you i think leave it where it was queen's gambit was a perfect mini series as it was i don't think there's any you know i don't think anyone needs that second second season i just feel like it would be exceptionally forced unless they just went with a completely different character in which case it would seem in that then in that respect it would be like a fargo type situation you know where the the, the venue or the place remains the same but the, the characters change but yeah interesting and that is my news desk this week paul have you got anything there was a couple of things that you covered off already. The only other thing I had here, which is most unlike me, is some gaming news. Uh, and it's only because I'm interested in the franchise, but um, Aliens Fireteam uh, has uh, been announced this week. Uh, it will be an online co-op game set, obviously, in the Alien universe where third-person survival shooter style that allow you to, to go at it at the aliens as a team pairing up. I imagine that would be quite a lot of fun. It's the sort of thing that, you know, might drag me back into my gaming seat because um, I remember the game Alien Isolation came out. It was kind of quite a scary alien game. Um, but if I can play something alongside someone else, that's that's even more exciting. So there you go, Dan, some gaming news. You're quite a complex character, aren't you? Paul? <laughs> I, I am. Feel like at, 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 like, I feel like horror is definitely not your genre and being scared is not your genre. But to play a video game with those components and the fact that you're a big alien fan, it's it's like a, when I think I understand you, I I, I definitely don't. The, the, the link to get you through there, uh, <laughs> the link to get you through is sci-fi. It's the sci-fi element that brings me back into that. It was the same thing when we were doing our... Um, films to be buried with last week around the scary movie it's the i i wanted to say alien but i know that i'm truly there for the for the sci-fi element but um yeah that's that is all i have uh news wise because the other things you had covered off for me so i'll jump into our mailbag quickly um actually on the subject of our films to be buried with uh questions that we did last week we've got a few responses um, the movie you loved as a kid. Uh, we had Norman from Mission Log went with The Last Starfighter. 
Um, I have not seen that one in a long time, and I feel like it could be a, an old classic worthy of a rewatch. Uh, movies that make you cry. Um, Bruce Gray went with Paddington when Aunt Lucy arrives on the doorstep and she and Paddington hug. Also on the subject of movies that make you cry, Ash went with 1984's The Search for Spock when Kirk self-destructs the original 1960s Enterprise. And I have to say that is an iconic scene when you've got Kirk, McCoy and Scotty looking up at the sky and seeing the Enterprise going across. And Kirk says, my God, Bones, what have I done? It's, it is really great. It's a good call there. And uh, movies that make you laugh, we had Sarah and Jason go with The Hangover. Um, and that was genuinely hilarious. I think probably the first one of the trilogy was the best um, kind of was a new genre of comedy almost in itself for a wee while. Um, last week's peak performance was Tom Hardy. Um, we had uh, Bruce again, went with This Means War, um, a movie I thought was actually really funny. Um, but interestingly enough, uh, I read up on it, Tom Hardy himself hates that movie. And he even said that he won't do another romantic comedy again because of this movie. So um, obviously didn't land well with him. Uh Darwin, Illinois, wrote in to say that he couldn't pick a favourite. I thought that was great. Just running and just to say, I've had a go. I can't do it. I'm with you. I know how hard it can be. Uh, Megan went with The Revenant. Great pick. I've forgotten about that movie. He and Leonardo DiCaprio were both superb in that. And Paddy gave us his 3-2-1 of Dunkirk, Lawless. And he also had The Revenant as his number one. So that was Tom Hardy last week. Um... What else have I got here? Oh, yeah. So I'm not sure if any of our listeners have ever used um, podchaser.com. It's kind of like uh, the IMDB for podcasts, and it's useful for both, you know, listeners who want to find a podcast to listen to, and also for podcasters themselves. And if you're looking to search for a podcast, you know, by category or country or, or anything, really, it's a really good database to use. And um, anyway, there's a really comprehensive list on there, then of podcasts from New Zealand creators and you can find it there under a name called uh, Kiwi Podcast. Um, in fact, there's one on there I spotted straight away that I listened to, which I recommend, um, History of Aotearoa and there's another one which might be of interest to you uh, called Dungeons and Dipshits, which is hosted by five Kiwis who've come together in an attempt to make a, a D&D podcast, which I thought would be pretty fun. Um, anyway, Dan, I am pleased to say reason i'm bringing this up is that we are now included on this uh list of podcasts from new zealand creators um we started following on podchaser and soon after we got contacted by a guy called dean warwick who who actually manages that list on podchaser so that's pretty cool we're now in there there's actually just over 100 in there all of which are more professional than this outfit dan as i'm sure you expect but um yeah i'm thinking you know if someone wants to go and check out some more kiwi podcasts go and check out the list on podchaser that's, that's awesome. It's always uh, people are always looking for more great podcasts to listen to. So, yeah, go and check out that list. You might find another great thing to listen to as soon as you finish listening to our episode. Though, oh yeah, don't know? swap us out. It's not like a one for one thing, right? If this backfires, if you that's wear, I'm going to boycott the whole place. <laughs> if you wear the half measures brand, then you have to live up to it. Correct. Correct. Uh, I think. Oh, so, yeah. Okay. So finally for today's mailbag, uh, as you know, we're always excited to see new countries and cities appear on our, our listening analytics. But of course, most of our listeners are in New Zealand. And I spotted this week, Dan, that the Waikato is now actually number one uh, on our list in terms of numbers for New Zealand listeners, just ahead of Canterbury, Wellington, Taranaki and Auckland. And so I just think 
sometimes I just think it would just be great to hear from anyone in these regions, you know, because we're getting a lot of listens there. It's just to hear what shows you're watching. What should we be watching? You know, we're always on the socials. Reach out to us. It'd be great to hear from you. And that is the mailbag this week, Dan. Awesome. So it must be time for our peak performance of the week. So much like our movie of the week, every week Paul and I take turns choosing a different actor or actress and we talk about what we think are our favourite movies they might have done. And so this week it was my turn to pick and I went with Joaquin Phoenix. What do you think, Paul? Yeah, really interesting, eh? Like an actor who I feel like he went he went off the grid for a long, long time. I actually think I remember reading somewhere that he said he'd retired from acting or, or something like that. I, I can't remember the details of it. But when I look back through, it's amazing how many of his films I've actually seen. And there's a lot of good ones. It was it was hard to choose. I I knew right from the start what my number one's going to be. And we'll get there, of course. But um, there was a few contenders for the number three spot. And in the end, I went with 2002 movie Signs. And... I really like this movie from the very first time I saw it. I think for me, he played this character within that movie that was kind of the one that I could relate to the most. It was the most human and down to earth. And so his performance makes the whole movie feel a lot more, I don't know, tangible somehow. And he balances out sort of Mel Gibson's character and the more extreme views and and the younger children's really, really well. And um, it's a really good M. Night, um, I can't pronounce it, Shemilan. Shyamalan. I, I feel like I can say it in my head, but you know that I'm the worst at pronouncing any names. So <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan. There we go. That sounds better than what I did. Uh, I, f- I feel like it never got as much hype as I think it should have. I actually thought it was a really well done movie and yeah, Wacken Phoenix is great in it. So that was my number three. Number two for me was from 2000, the movie Gladiator. And, you know, I think most people will naturally think of Russell Crowe when they think of this movie, but Wacken Phoenix plays this this great character you know the the emperor and he's really moody and foreboding and he holds all the power and dan what you just did there at the screen actually that's a really good point this whole this whole putting out his thumb and then sort of like judging and the whole thing with the crowd whether it goes up or down that is iconic it's really I think he looks iconic as that emperor. And I think that that whole thing, I do that at home sometimes with my kids, like when they say, oh, dad, can we have an ice cream? And I'll sort of put my thumb out and they're just waiting, which way is it going to go? And it's come from this film. It's great. It's a really good movie. Um, I hated his character right from the start. And that's always a great sign because that's exactly what you were meant to do with this guy. Um, So that's my number two. And number one for me, Dan, I don't think there's ever been a more clear cut peak performance for me as soon as i saw you suggested his name i 100 knew this would be my number one and this is joker and look despite all of the the low ratings and whatever that's got from all the critics it's still like in the mid 50s i don't understand that the audience score is always high for this movie it's it's a great movie it was my movie of the year for 2019 i think when we did our movies of the year for 2019 it's i think it's fact it's the last great year of movies before covid hit and so you know this performance he takes a character that i think we feel like we all have a a relatively good understanding of of of, we roughly know who the joker is right but he his take was just so different and it was it was one of those brave movies that really paid off and 
just even talking about it now, I feel like I need to go and find my Blu-ray of Joker um, and just and just give this one a rewatch. Um, I haven't seen my Blu-ray. I think I must have lost it somewhere downstairs or something. But it's a really haunting performance of the Joker, and I I think for for this particular iteration of the Joker for this movie, I don't think I can imagine anyone else pulling off this as well as he did. He he was just so awkward. The scene on the bus, the scene in his home. I mean, it's just it's extraordinary performance. It was it was yeah, it's the most clear cut peak performance. That's my three, two, one. Dan, how about you? We're actually um pretty similar this week. The one I struggled with the most was my number three slot as well. And I think there's, there's um even now as I'm talking, I'm still kind of like tossing up in my mind what way I'm gonna go. And again, we, we say this all the time, but when looking over Joaquin Phoenix's backlog of movies, there's so many great ones. And there's actually a movie in there, I'm ashamed to say that I've never watched, and that is Walk the Line. Uh, I'm I'm quite a big Johnny Cash fan. I, I feel like, why? what am I doing with my life? Why haven't I watched this? I feel like I need to fix this quite quickly so that I could, I feel like I should be considering this movie, and I, I just can't because I, I haven't seen it. Don't make me start singing Johnny Cash again, Dan. Go out and watch this movie. <laughs> I think, uh, so I'm going to go with my number three. I'm going to go with a 2004 movie called Ladder 49. And it's basically about a firefighter that's injured and trapped in a burning building. And he has flashbacks of his life as he drifts in and out of consciousness. Um, meanwhile, his sort of fellow firefighters um, try to try to rescue him. And it's one of those movies that it just really captured me at the time. Uh, I just for a little bit of context my dad um I was a fireman he's he's retired now and whenever we'd watch any movie tv show with something fire related and he'd always be like nope wrong <laughs> not how it's done and I remember this is probably the first movie I watched um w- without him there it was kind of like I was just able to sort of be caught up in the the action and excitement and it, I actually found this to be a, a really sad film um at, at the end of the day but it, it's a a lot of fun. So Ladder 49 is my number three. Much like you, I'm going to go with Gladiator for number two for all of the reasons that you've said. I think Joaquin's um, role in this movie is, I don't think it's the first role that you think of when you think about this movie, mm-hmm. but I think such a great performance. And the the thumbs up, thumbs down is so gifable and memeable. It's, it, it lives on to this day. And then finally, much like you, um, how can you go past the 2019 vision of Joker? I think, you know, this is such an iconic character told in such a, a different way. Like, you know, it, it really goes, you know, much deeper into the whole sort of like mental health side of like how how did this man become who he is and what sort of really pushed him over the edge. And I think it's, it's taken a character who we quite often see as a, you know, a, a largely comical sort of cartoon villain um, who's always always been um, bad and had a, a dark edge, particularly in comics. But I think mm. this movie showed the world a whole different lens to um, to a to a villain. And you know, we talk about just before with Queen's Gambit whether there should be a, another a movie. I know that there's lots of talk about a, a second Joker movie, and I feel so mixed about it because this movie is so perfect. Yes, I want more, but I also don't want more at the same time because I kind of like it just being this, this such a, a wonderful piece. And I think, 
you know, it, it should score even higher than, than it does on, on so many platforms. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. I feel like I do want more of this character, but I also feel like you worried because so much about this movie was setting the scene about the story, about how he, his journey to this point. And so the fact that he is now that character, uh, is there another movie? Is there another story to be told there? Will it be as effective? Will I watch it? Yes. Do we need it? I don't know. Definitely. I think that's the thing. Like we, We're going to watch it. We're going to eat it up. We're going to love it. Um, but even if we, if it doesn't happen, I, I don't think that's necessarily a, a bad thing. But yeah, so my 321, Ladder 49, Gladiator, and Joker. So very much in sync with you this week, Paul. Pretty good. Pretty good. Well, it's another pretty long podcast uh which is which is most unlike us to do two in a row like that i don't know where we get the energy from but uh if you've got a suggested actor actress director producer for us to consider for the peak performance section of the podcast then get in touch with us at halfmeasurespodcast.com or at halfmeasurespodcast on instagram facebook or twitter um don't forget you can watch Yellowstone, you can watch Parasite on Neon here in New Zealand, and finally our thanks to Mission Log and the Roddenberry Podcast Network for supporting this week's episode. Also a special shout out to our Patreon producers of the show, Samara King and Trisha Brady. If you would like to become a supporter of the show, then you can find all of our Patreon details in the show notes below. But until next week everyone, adios.